right, everybody, welcome into another Ethos Celtics podcast. I am your host, Patrick Lounsbury, over here with my co-host, Lucas Gaynor. How are you doing today, Lucas? Yeah, I'm doing very well, you know, in the midst of moving. So, you know, life is very busy at the moment, but I'll be officially moved out on Monday. So, you know, things will be a little more normal come next week. So I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Um, that's super awesome for you. You're headed back to Boston. Super sure. happy for you. Going to be eight minutes away from the garden. Sure. It's going to be a good time, man. You're going to hear the that gym roaring either in booze or in excitement, <laughs> depending on how, how the Celtics decide to play that night. What's yeah. actually surprising is the Celtic team is really good on at home this year. Yeah, no, and listen, like you said, Patrick, those will be cheering or booing. But you know what they won't be doing, Patrick, is booing our guy Juancho Hernan Gomez who, uh, you know, was traded to the Spurs in a three-team trade. Patrick, how'd you feel about the deal? Uh, in total, the deal was uh, it was um, Wancho to the Spurs, um, P.J. Dozier and Bol Bol to the Celtics, and Bryn Forbes to the Nuggets. So how are you feeling? I know it's pretty insignificant, all things considered, but how are you feeling about the trade? Overall, um, I like the trade because what it does for the cap situation, right? It puts us in a better position to get under that cap hold. Um, and then also, if we end up moving both Bobo and Dozier, who we can end up moving, um, I believe it puts us right around 14 or $16 million, uh, under that cap line, which is a really good number to have. Kind of gives us that flexibility to go into the, the next season with. Yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, it's not like we gave away much here. You know, it's not like Wancho was a key contributor um, to the team, was barely playing, and when he was playing, it didn't feel very positive. Um, but, you know, you take a flyer on a guy like Bull Bull, who obviously has potential, but uh, a lot of room to grow as well. And then, you know, a player who Brad actually used to coach in boxing, PJ Dozer, uh, 6'6 guard who can, you know, handle the ball, you know, run a little bit of offense, play some good defense, you know, get his own shot to some degree. You know, maybe we'll think about bringing him back. But like you said, the main thing is to get underneath the tax apron, um, which, you know, I have some thoughts about. You know, I'll share them quickly. Just, you know, I think it is good to get underneath the tax. But uh, to me, the whole point of getting underneath the tax line is to avoid the repeater tax, right? Because that's when you really start paying a giant tax bill. So I just hope, you know, our front office, the owners are willing to spend money when the time comes you know, given that we're not going to be, you know, in danger of going into the repeater tax. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a really good move by the Celtics. It just shows that Brad is is working hard. You know, there was a, a report out that they joked around. They're like, Brad probably took about 10 phone calls the other day. So seeing Brad working hard on the phones, definitely trying to make some moves before this deadline comes. Another thing um, to kind of look for as far as trades go Marcus Smart will be available to be traded on, I believe it's the 25th of this month or 26th of this month. Yeah. So it's right on one of those two days. So that's another uh, contract that's traded. Uh, rumors are Celtics are pretty much willing to move anybody besides the Jays. And it looks like Time Lord is highly unlikely to be moved, but not totally off the books. Yeah, you know, and honestly, I don't think that should come as a shocker to anyone at this point. I mean, Patrick, you know, we've been talking hoops for a long time now. And, uh, you know, in the beginning of when we started talking, I was really against the idea of trading Marcus. I mean, I obviously am still against it to some degree, but I have fully accepted that it's, a, uh, you know, a possibility that we should consider. 
uh, because, you know, he has one of the more tradable contracts. And also, you know, he is pretty high value, so we might be able to get a good return for him. Um, but, you know, it's definitely something Celtics fans have to face, you know, however much it might hurt us to see our guy Marcus go. Yeah, I think our stance as far as, like, who we probably think was, like, the third hardest person to trade away outside the Jays um, ends up being, instead of Marcus Smart, now Time Lord. But if you asked us before the season, we would have told you, like, nah, Marcus Smart is probably going to be the one that we can't trade away. Time Lord is more available than Marcus Smart. But I feel like how we felt about Marcus Smart before the season is now how we feel about Robert Williams, and I don't think Robert Williams is is a guy we want to see moved. I think the core now we want to kind of stick together with is the Jays and Time Lord and try to find a way to build around that. Yeah, no, I fully agree. I mean, Time Lord has really, you know, Robert has really been able to show his value on the offensive and defensive end as, you know, a role threat to the rim, which we've seen him do time and time again. But he also opens up, you know, a lot of passing lanes with his passing ability, you know, kind of make the offense move a little more, get some cutters, you know, moving towards the rim. And then on defense, you know, his shot blocking and switchability is not something, you know, that is a, uh, a skill that, you know, it basically grows on trees for players in the NBA. So I really think we should keep him on his, you know, affordable contract. Because, you know, Patrick, if we look at a player who he's, you know, similar to, I'll say Rashawn Holmes, you know, it's kind of the same ilk, not a huge guy, but they're athletic enough to protect the rim. You know, they're a great role threat. Um, you know, they're making about similar money. I think those are both two of the arguably best contracts in the NBA. Um, you know, we don't have to pay them upwards of 20 mil like the Cavs did Jared Allen. Um, you know, that's nothing against Jared Allen. He's a great player, but definitely want to keep Time Lord for definitely the, uh, you know, the few years going forward here. Um, you know, that's kind of multiplied by the fact uh, that Al Horford hasn't looked too great as of late. Absolutely, man. Uh, he really hasn't looked too great. So no surprise there that he is being made available along with uh, our boy Josh Richardson. That's Lucas is one of his favorite players on the team right now. I do like Josh Richardson, but we all know that Lucas is a really big guy about Josh Richardson. How do you feel about his name being willing to be moved? I know he has a very, pretty favorable contract after getting that extension. And since he's joined the Celtics, he's really shown growth in his game and starting to play kind of like the player that everybody thought he would kind of be. And he's, he's kind of showed up in Boston. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is somewhat upsetting to hear his name in these trade talks, but it is definitely not surprising. I mean, he's played really well, like you said. You know, his jump shot has been consistent. His defense has been good. You know, he's been able to handle the ball, play and make a little bit here and there. Um, but I'm not surprised that his name is out there because, you know, he is going to be one of the more valuable players we have talent-wise and one of the more tradable contracts we have asset-wise. Um, so that's not a surprise. It just depends on the return, you know. I obviously don't want to ship him out for a bag of chips and a sub. Um, but, you know, if a trade comes along where, you know, he has to be included for an upgrade of talent-wise or, you know, shooting or playmaking-wise, that's definitely something, I, you know, I'd be, I'd be willing to do if I was the Celtics. As much as it hurts me to say, because, you know, Jay Rich, he's a great player and a great vibes guy. I really like Jay Rich. Yeah, man. And and I think uh, with Jason Richardson, or sorry, Josh Richardson, it's uh, with his contract and everything that we got, we kind of just took a shot at him anyways. It was kind of like, we're going to give you a shot. If you work out, you work out. If you don't, you're not making too big of money that's going to hurt us anyways. We could probably move off of you. And I think Brad Stevens pretty much – made him more valuable than it was when we got him. So, like, his contract now is even better. And, you know, you you flip the chip, you know, 
you got you end up getting it. He's end up playing really well. You end up flipping him for more value than what you kind of paid for him, and you you wash your hands away with it. Like, hey, that was a good deal by Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens made a good decision in signing him on that contract extension and everything, and now making him even more valuable. Yeah, no, fully agree. I mean, you know, we've kind of talked about it. Brad has been really good at this role so far. And if he's able to turn Josh Richardson into something better, you know, like you said. And what do we get him for? Uh, Moses Brown on a second-round pick? Moses Brown and, yeah, I believe it was Moses Brown on the second-round pick. And I think we sent one other player. Not 100% sure on that deal. Um, but, yeah, um, you know, like you said, it'll just be that's what you want to do. You want to get an asset when it's, you know, at a depreciated value. You know, fix it up, make it look like it's, you know, worth more than it is, and then, you know, flip that into something better. Now, however, I wouldn't be upset at keeping him either. You know, I, I'm not, I don't want to sound like I want to run Jay Rich out of town. I think he's played really well, and uh, I only think he should move in the right deal because he has played, he's played really well. Absolutely, and we're, we're going to go ahead and get into uh, the last two games here were against the Pelicans, Boston Pelicans, and then we have the Boston Celtics and Charlotte's game. We beat the Pelicans in a pretty convincing way. Um, and then we also played Charlotte Hornets, who, you know, Terry Rozier ended up getting his revenge. But before we do jump into that, listeners, please take a moment to go follow our Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Follow now. So going into this Pelicans game, man, Jason Tatum, we talked about it, likes to pretty much show Brandon Ingram like, yo, I'm I'm the big dog. You are nowhere close to my level for some reason. And he just decides to show out. Well, how do you think about just overall this Pelicans game, how the Jays looked, Tatum in the fourth quarter, and, and some other things? Uh, I mean, yeah, like you said, you know, it really seems like uh... – Tatum and that Tatum and B.I. matchup Tatum. I'm not going to say he takes up personally, uh, but, you know, it seems like he always wants to prove that he's, you know, a far superior player to B.I. You know, and B.I. is a guy I really do like. Um, but Tatum, you know, just stepped up and showed that he's, you know, has that bona fide superstar inside of him. Um, and, you know, he's maybe a little closer to being that superstar than B.I. is. And uh, like you said, you know, Tatum in that fourth quarter, I mean, Tatum scored almost – I want to say almost all of his points in the second half here. He scored 21 of his 27 in the second half. Uh, really came alive there. That was good to see. I mean, I don't know about you. I know you kind of rewatched this game after it had happened. Um, so did this kind of seem like, you know, a quintessential Jason Tatum superstar performance to you? Yeah, I mean, this was that that Tatum kind of was like, yo, like this is the Tatum where she's even like, damn, man, this Tatum's so good. And then you look at the Hornets game, you're like, man, What's going on with Tatum? So, uh, you know, the it's night in, night out, just consistency is what we're trying to build towards. That's what we want to see. We want to see, like, at least a string of four or five games at this point. We've seen it maybe, like, two or three, but we want to see, like, four or five now. And after we get four or five, the next thing is going to be, all right, let's try seven to eight. You know, like, we got to start building towards a more consistent floor for these guys coming out and having these mediocre games at times is, is just not going to cut it. But in this Pelicans game, I thought Jason Tatum was fantastic. Oh, yeah, he was phenomenal. Um, you know, it was pretty much, I mean, a back-and-forth game for the most part. The, you know, the beginning of the game, you know, Pelicans jumped out in the first quarter. 
you know, Celtics tried to answer, but the offense was really just disgusting in the first half. I mean, you know, this was the reverse Celtics. Was it not, Patrick? You know, usually the Celtics come out pretty good in the first half, first, second quarter, and then kind of falter in the third and fourth. Well, this was the reverse. Having only scored 39 points in the first half, um, the, the Celtics, you know, rebound in the second half and end up scoring, yes, this is correct, 65 points in the second half. Uh, so, you know, that's obviously, you know, a, a flip was switched at halftime. Yeah, absolutely. And then another big uh, play, um, big play in game for another guy on this team in the second half who kind of had a slower first half. But my boy Aaron Neesmith, man, Aaron Neesmith coming out, great energy, just honestly making good basketball plays. He was good off the drive. He was good knocking down shots. It was just. I was like, damn, Aaron Neesmith, man. This is this is the guy I want to see, like, kind of, like, just be more aggressive and kind of play with a little bit more confidence because when he does, you see these glimpses of his potential kind of shine through, and it just makes me all excited. And I think he needs to take advantage of his uh, athleticism a lot more because I do think he's a better athlete than most people who are against him. And really for him is just trying to play more controlled because when he plays more controlled – he can kind of bully his way into spots that he can he wants to go. So um, I'm excited that Aaron Neesmith had a game like this. It was good for him to to really come out and play with a, a lot of energy. Lucas, how what do you think about my boy Aaron Neesmith? This was a flash of you know seeing what we love to see from Neesmith. You know we we've seen it multiple times. These flashes of you know good defensive intensity. You know getting in the passing lanes, getting out on the break. You know getting up and dunking, like you said. You know, he's a pretty athletic guy, you know, maybe a little sneakily. That dunk was pretty crazy. He got the team hyped. But uh, no, I think it's a good step for Neesmith. It just boils down to, you know, him making his open three-pointers. When he doesn't make them, it's really hard for him to see the floor. And that kind of ties into what we were talking about pre-show. Like, you were saying to me, you know, I wish he would drive a little more. And I feel the same way. Um, because sometimes, you know, these guys are so wide open, it seems like there's a clear driving range in front of them straight to the hoop. And it's like instead of settling for that three, you know, I know you're open, but if you have an open lane to the hoop, drive and maybe try and kick and make something else happen. But I think this was Neesmith's best game in a while. Probably. Yeah, and then and then also, man, just overall the Celtics came out of this game and they, they played great down the stretch, pulled away, and then they end up having to go into this Hornets game where it was kind of like the opposite, right? And talking about driving – to the rim, I didn't think they did enough of that against the Hornets, who don't have big men. They they don't have a rim-protecting threat, and I felt like the Celtics settled way too much from deep in this one. What would you think? No, I totally agree. I think we settled way too much. I mean, the Hornets are not a good defensive team. I mean, they really are not. Evidenced by, you know, the last time we played them in the beginning of the year, we put up 140 points in overtime. Um, and like you said, you know, they have a lack of rim protection. They have guys like Mason Plumlee, um, you know, Kai Jones, like a lot of guys who, you know, I'm not really scared of in the paint. Um, and, you know, like you said, you know, we just settled a little bit too much, you know, really see that early career from Jalen and Jason, you know, just attacking the rim with, you know, absolute fervor, ready to put anyone on a poster. And, you know, it hasn't felt like the, uh, the Celtics have done that as of late. Yeah, absolutely, and this was just a, a poor game for Jason Tatum, who 
I mean, we were. I was watching that first half. He was missing like layups, free throws, and I'm just like, what's going on with Tatum, man? So I I got this for you right here for you, you Lucas. I want to give you a little. See if you can guess what the trivia is here. What do you think Jason Tatum is shooting from three this year, percentage wise? Thirty thirty-two point five. That's a close one. You're within a point. It was thirty-one point seven. What do you think his second worst three-point shooting season behind this year was? Thirty-four point eight. Try thirty-seven point three. Wow. Tatum has dropped nearly six percent. From behind the arc, there is something absolutely wrong with him shooting from deep, and I'm not even talking like he's forcing bad shots or taking bad stepbacks or tough shots because I think we both agree that in this Hornets game we saw him get at least three to four wide open ones. Like I'm talking, about he had time to set, nobody even got out to him or anything, and he just shoots it and missed. Yeah, so tough. it's just it's been rough to watch him, man. It's been really rough to watch Tatum go through these stretches from deep. I don't know what's going on with his shot right now, but it's it's concerning to a degree. I don't think it's full concern panic mode because I think Tatum ultimately be okay. But seeing a 6% drop from behind the arc from your ne- next worst season is pretty concerning. Um, yeah, so uh, well, I will say uh, I, we have seen a lot of regression from shooters in the NBA this year entire league. So like you said, I'm not ready to like, you know, put on my panic hat or anything like that. But without definitely not a good thing. Player regressed to his five. Um, like you said, not completely put on the panic hat. Just right, yeah, and I don't want to like scare people too much. But here's another here's another concerning thing though with Jason Tatum this year, right? Can you guess what he's shooting from the field? Uh, he's shooting, I want to say he's shooting around 42% from the field. Close again, Lucas. Oh, close again. He's shooting a total of 41%. 41%. What do you think his next worst season was? 46%. 45. So you're close again. Oh, okay. Wow. You're like one off tonight. You're like one off every time. So that's the, see, that's where it's concerning, right? So it's like, all right, maybe his shooting's just off, right? It dropped like six six percent, you know, from like his ex worst one. Cool. Then you go and look at his his field goal, and it's like he's shooting forty one percent from the field right now. And now I get it. Jason Tatum's being asked to do a lot this season. He's being asked to play make, you know, and that's not even something that he's very comfortable in yet. Um, I say yet, uh, just because I think he is making steps in that area. But, you know, it's it's tough because he's shooting well from the free throw line. He's shooting 84%, which, you know, he shot 86 last year. So that only dipped by like 2%. So I don't necessarily think it's like too much of the shot, but maybe like the workload is just kind of getting to him and what he's expected to do. Uh, I just feel like at times the game's not coming fluidly to him. He's also playing the most minutes he's had uh, in his whole career uh, per game. Right now he's also attempting the most shots per game. Not by a whole lot, uh, 0.4 more than last year, but Tatum is definitely having himself a weird shooting season. Yeah, absolutely no doubt about that. You know, and I honestly will think that it will, uh, you know, positively regress. You know, I still believe that. Um, You know, I'm not saying that his end of the year percentage is going to be 37, honestly. I think it'll probably be just closer to, you know, 34 
or 35, which means, you know, his, his shot will be improved. You know, I have felt better about his shot lately. I got to admit, you know, uh, and I think it's just, you know, I don't know. I think we, it, it's normal to, you know, see regression in shooting numbers because, you know, people say this all the time. It's a make or miss league. And, you know, like you said, it's not encouraging. It's disappointing to see. But I don't think, you know, it's something that's like, you know, crazy worth freaking out over because regression happens all the time in shooting. That's just, you know, how it is. Bradley Beal's shooting under 30% from three this year. You know, do we think he's a bad shooter now? No. Just a little bit of negative. Yeah. And then going into this, like, Charlotte's game, man, something that's just been a constant issue with this team, turnovers. That has to be one of the most frustrating things. When we do try to play make and everything like that, we just turn over the ball. We had four turnovers in less than the first five minutes into the game. Less than five minutes of the game, four turnovers. Like, how are you going to win games when you're playing against another team and you're playing against yourself because you keep throwing away the basketball? You have to take care of the basketball and give yourself a chance to win. I don't care if we're missing shots because at least we're putting shots up, right? Some of them are going to go in. But when you turn over the ball, that's no shot attempt. It's not even trying. So they have to be better at taking care of the basketball, especially against better teams going down the stretch, or else they're just not going to be able to come out with wins. Yeah, no, I mean, you can't give away possessions. The Hornets had 20 points off of turnovers this game. And, you know, this wasn't like a two-point game by any stretch of the imagination. You know, I mean, we were close down the end of the down the end of this game, you know, within four points, only losing by nine. You know, that, that 20 points is a big swing, and we only had 10 ourselves. So that right there is the difference in the game. We lost by nine. There was a difference um, of 10 points between our points off turnovers. So, uh I don't know. That's just something that's going to bite you in the behind every single time in a basketball game, you know, no matter the level. I mean, giving away free possessions, especially live ball turnovers, um, which, you know, I don't have in front of me how many of these were live ball turnovers, but, you know, you turn the ball over, give away possessions, give other teams free points, you know, that's a surefire way to, you know, lose yourself any basketball. Yeah, and I also think that the defense kind of fell apart against the Hornets without having Robert Williams or Marcus Smart out there. Um we had to rely on some Ennis minutes a little too much because Grant Williams had picked up four fouls in the first half. You had Tatum, who had third his third foul at the nine-minute mark in that second quarter, and I'm just like, some of the fouls were, they were doing were just dumb, and I was just like, what's going on here? Like, I remember Tatum took a foul to, like, stop a fast break, and I was like, Tatum, you just picked up your fourth, man, in the third quarter. What, do you, what are we doing here, you know? Like – you just got to have a better IQ. Understand, giving up a layup or putting yourself in foul trouble and coming off the court. You're the best player on the team. Like we, even if you're struggling, we need you on the court because your presence alone and your gravity alone opens up things. So when you take that fourth foul in the third quarter, it's it doesn't put the team in a good position. And then Grant Williams was just getting called for some weird fouls. Some of these fouls were just kind of meh, you know. And I don't like, you know, I don't like blaming the refs or anything like that. But some of the some of the calls were pretty like not not a very questionable per se, but it's been around the league a lot lately. Yeah, um, I totally agree, man. You know, no Rob and no Marcus makes things very hard for us defensively. I mean, Rob obviously gives us a level of room protection we don't otherwise have on the team. Um, and Marcus, you know, is by far our best perimeter defender. You know, he's one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, let alone our team. So not having them hurt. But I also think that, you know, we got to give some credit to the Hornets here, man. I mean, their offense is very, very balanced, you know, spread out between four guys really scoring the ball. 
I mean, usually five really, but Hayward didn't really have a great offensive game tonight. Um, but you know, those top, those top four guys, uh, Bridges, Terry, Ubre, and LaMelo Ball, man, they really were playing well. I mean, Patrick, I know LaMelo's your guy, but watching him make the right read every single time, making it look effortless, we got to give some props to them. I got to be honest, their offense did look pretty good against our, what was not terrible. Yeah, I mean, Melo Balls is fluid. His game is natural. He's he's a magician on the court. He just he has something that you can't teach, and he has the instincts and sees the floor in like a three sixty vision. It's a great and way to describe it. He's yeah, he's never tunnel vision. He's literally the opposite of a tunnel vision. He's like if you put Lamelo in a tunnel, somehow that tunnel becomes see through for him because he sees everything still. Uh, there's no way to kind of close things off for him or make reads for him difficult because he just knows where the right play is all the time. He knows where his guys are, where they're supposed to be. Uh, he just plays really well, man. Uh, I love watching LaMelo ball. He hit, he hit a pretty big shot as well, but the, the real guy hero for the Hornets and the revenge game leading all scorers uh, that night was Terry Rozier, AKA scary Terry or Celtics Twitter calls him Tito three sticks. I love Terry, man. You know, it's hard to get mad at Terry. You know, he just still looks like the same great player. You know, he's growing a little bit, been more consistent. But, you know, it hurt out of a little salt in the wound that we lost in the hands of one of my uh, one of my favorite Celtics in recent memory, man. But he does – he sure looks good, man. He sure does. And, you know, I remember when people were saying three for 70 was a stretch for Terry. Yeah, I, I mean, Terry was here was – he was so good in this game. He had some big shots down the stretch and everything. Jalen Brown even, like – made a comment on uh, Terry Rozier after the game. He said uh, he was having way too much fun out there. So the Celtics were definitely uh, frustrated with the the way they let him kind of get off and, and get his things. But it's like, you don't want him to have fun? Find a way to stop it, man. That's that's what we have to do at the end of the day. Um, but thought the Celtics played relatively well on offense. Wasn't terrible outside of some of the turnovers in the early beginning. Because I felt like we were getting good looks. We just couldn't knock them down. That was kind of the story of the game was play good, get the ball in the right hands sometimes, and get some really wide-open looks and just not knocking them down. And I got to give a shout-out to you know, a former Celtic also. You know, he didn't have the gaudy numbers that Rozier did in this game, but Hayward played a really, really great defensive game on Jason Tatum this game. I mean – Hayward is just such a solid player, man. And like I said, he didn't have the numbers really. I don't know. I don't even know if he ended up scoring in double digits this game. But let me tell you, his his presence was definitely felt in the defensive end. You know, a lot of the time he wasn't letting Tatum catch. You know, he was just you know kind of denying him the ball. You know, I just thought I, I was impressed with what Hayward was able to do defensively. So got to give them credit there. Miles Bridges is going to win Most Improved Player. I mean, he's awesome. That hook shot he made, Patrick. I was like, bro. If he's making Man. that with four minutes to go in the fourth quarter, I don't think we're winning. Just tough shots after tough shots, man. They were just – they were really doing the number on us. And, I mean, even Jalen Brown talked about how he thought we had a lot of good looks. That's literally what he said. Word for word, he said, I thought we had a lot of good looks. We moved the ball really well, and they made some tough baskets. Agreed. They, they got a lot of weapons over there. They came ready to play, so they outplayed us tonight. And – like the two shots, Patrick, they killed it for me in the fourth quarter was, like I said, the hook shot. And then that deep Oubre three to put them, I believe, up seven. 
And then Rozier put the nail in the coffin with a three. Oh like man, that. it was just, it was that just. Uber three. I mean, realistically, I'm living with that thought at the end of the game. You know what I mean? He was, he was shooting lights out from deep. He's I don't know what it was. Ubre has shot very well this year. You know, I think people were really down on him because he didn't really fit the Warriors system. That's not the type of player he is. Um, and he looked really bad out there in Golden State. But now he came to Charlotte. He's played really well. He's shooting really well. Uh, but I'm living with, you know, a Kelly Oubre three a couple feet behind the line with kind of a hand, you know, towards his face at the end of a game, you know, as opposed to some penetration and then kick to an easy basket. Uh, but that was a killer shot right there. But uh, a rough game overall. But I just – one of my biggest takeaways was how good Hayward was on defense, really, on Hayward. Yeah. And then another – we'll give another shout-out here to a guy that, you know, we haven't been the biggest fans of on the – The best safety. skateboarder on the Celtics. <laughs> but we will give him credit because he has been good lately for us. And he's the only reason we kind of had a chance in this game. He had – Two back-to-back threes late in that fourth quarter within 15 seconds of each other, bringing it back from 12 to 6, giving us a chance in that last two minutes before some tough shots on the Hornets' side. But Dennis Schroeder played amazing basketball. He's been playing really good basketball the last couple of games. The optimism is he's running up that trade value, as as my, my friend here, Lucas, says right before we started the podcast, that, hey, man, at least, at least he's got more value now, right? So hopefully – his stretch here continues um, and it continues throughout the rest of his career, to be honest. I mean, if he plays like this, that, that's awesome. I don't want anybody to not play bad, you know, play bad ever, unless they're like playing against the Celtics. But like Dennis Schroeder, I don't have any hatred towards him as a person or anything like that. It's more so I just, I just don't like his fit on the team. And I'm, I'm hoping that these last few games runs up his value. But I want to give him his flowers, man. He did play good. But the only reason we were in this game was because of him. No, so listen, my thing with Dennis, right? I want to make this abundantly clear. It's not that he's a bad basketball player. I mean, he's quite he's quite a fine basketball player. It's just like you said, Patrick, his fit in his role. You know, to me, Dennis is the guy who's most you know accentuated, like in his role for OKC when he was the sixth man. When Dennis was on the court, Dennis was able to take whatever shot he wanted. He had a green light, you know. And when those shots are going in, Dennis is a very, very, very good player. You know, like he's averaging, you know, probably up over 17 points a game for us now after the last few games this year. You know, he can get buckets. You know, he can make, you know, some good passes sometimes. But the thing is, is that type of green light shooter is not what we need, especially not at the point guard position. So now shout out Dennis. Like you said, Patrick, there's nothing you can really say right now. Those shots are going down. So he's looking like a great player. Um, and like I said, hopefully, you know, we can boost his value and flip them at the deadline to a team that, you know, he kind of fits their structure a little more. But like you said, this man deserves his flowers, whether or not we want him in Boston or not, and he's played phenomenal the last four games. So you just got to give the man his props. And if he keeps playing like this, I'm not so sure. I'd be mad at keeping him, you know, throughout the rest of the season. But I think I would still prefer, regardless, him to be moved for a player, you know, who's more of a utility type, doesn't need the ball in their hands, or – is very quick to make a pass when the ball isn't. Absolutely. And then, um, you know, just going in on the about Jason Tatum's shooting as well, there was a quote from Ime on some things that he said after the game. He said, and also this is about the Celtics in general's poor shooting. So he said, on some of the shooting woes, it probably starts to wear on guys a little bit there. And he said, on Jason Tatum, my message to him and the others is, how can we impact the game in another way when the shots aren't falling? Udoku didn't think the C's were good enough at that. 
So just for me, it seems like he doesn't when, – when the shots aren't falling, maybe be more aggressive and go and drive, kick out, you know, get more emotion, do some backdoor cuts, get to the line. Here's, here's something crazy, right? I, I wanted to point this out about this Hornets game. So I thought Romeo played great in this game too. We didn't really show him out much. Romeo played really good in this game. He actually was phenomenal. Um, so Romeo actually got fouled at the 840 mark in the fourth quarter that put Boston into the bonus. How many free throws do you think the Celtics shot after they went into the bonus? I'm going to go with two. Well, that's two more than they did. Because they shot zero. How do you go into the bonus with eight minutes and 40 seconds left in the fourth quarter and you don't attack the rim and try to force the team to be aggressive on you? Like, there's If you play aggressive basketball for eight minutes, you're getting to the line at least six times. That is crazy. Zero six times is 12 free throws. Zero times in eight minutes is just unacceptable. When you're in the when you got them in the bonus, what's the point of getting a team in the bonus when you can't take advantage of that? There's no way that they ended up settling like that. I thought that was crazy on their part. Um, also, another quote: Al Horford on Jason Tatum shooting. I personally don't worry about Jason. He's a scorer. We're going to continue to encourage him to be aggressive to play his game. I know he'll continue to put in the work, and I'm not worried about it. Typical veteran type of you know word to the media. But uh, this team, man, they just need to, like, understand situational basketball. You're in the fourth quarter. You're grinding to try and come back. You're trying to crawl back into it. Instead of shooting three-pointers, which, one, we all know the Celtics aren't the greatest at, two, you're got, it's not been a good game for your stars from there. So, three, you don't have other shooters outside of your stars much besides Dennis Schroeder that night. So drive the basketball. Get to the line. Get some easy points. Put some pressure on the other team, you know? Um, I just felt like the Celtics didn't do that enough uh, against the Hornets. That's where I think my frustration was with most with the Celtics more than anything. I thought they were generating good looks, but they still needed to find a way to attack a team that really doesn't have a big man to protect the rim. Yeah, you know, agreements for me across the board there. I think that's something we've, you know, hit on a bunch of times. You know, we can never be – aggressive enough, you know, going to the hoop. Uh, and, you know, I still believe that. And I think that's going to be, you know, a point of emphasis for the Celtics going forward still. Yeah, and we also got to think that no Time Lord, no uh, Marcus Smart. Shout out to Robert Williams, though, welcoming um, his kid into the world. Oh, the true. reason why he's missed the last two games is because he was there for the birth of his child. So congratulations to Robert Williams. Hope him and his family are healthy and welcoming a brand new person to his family. Love that for you, Robert Williams. Hopefully you're able to come back soon, but also take the time that is needed to, to be with your family because it's family before basketball at the end of the day. 100% big agreement. You know, I'm never going to be the person saying, you know, come play this sport over the birth of your child. Definitely not. Rob, take the time you need, but I'm sure you'll be back in no time. Game uh, seven, NBA finals. Go be with the birth of your <laughs> Uh, we need you we need you Rob you know you can have another kid we don't know if we'll ever get another game seven in the finals Uh, no no but yeah (laughs) I think that might be the only situation it was like that big of a game I just put that in my head I was like man what about game seven in the NBA finals is it is it family or is it basketball first you know listen 
I absolutely wonder. Personally, I would say uh, I'm still going to go with the family on this one, as hard as it may be. I, you know, I think that's where my answer would be, but it's a lot easier to say that sitting in ninth place right now. So, yeah, it is. It is way easier to say that. Um, I also wanted to mention their stat without um, no Robert Williams and, and Smart or anything like that. Over 445 minutes with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Robert Williams on the court this season. The Celtics are pounding opponents with 14.3 points per 100% possessions, which is insane. Um, the Celtics have been outscored by a total of 59 points over all their other minutes. So just showing that like, when Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Robert Williams are on the court, the Celtics are at their best. And the Celtics just honestly need Robert Williams, hopefully, to come back sooner than later. Uh, hopefully he gets time with his family that he needs, and we get to see Robert Williams back on the court soon. Yes, sir. We desperately need him out of here. We cannot be playing Bruno Fernando and Ennis Cantor significant Ennis Freedom significant minutes. So, <laughs> Rob, like you said, take all the time you need, but uh, we would love you back. <laughs> I had to laugh at that Ennis Cantor slip up, man. I had to. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, it's hard, man. Uh, no, I say it. I say it all the time too. Um, also, um, before we do end up signing off here. Uh, as we're getting to the end of the show, quickly before we sign off, we want you also to remind you to use coupon code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also to check out our pals at MyBookie.ag. Use code HoopBall on the third page of the sign-up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. All right. Um, I think that does it, though, for me and Lucas tonight. Did you have anything else to add? No, I got nothing else. All right, guys, get ready for that trade deadline. Get ready for all the, the action that we're going to be getting over these next few months. We're getting closer to the All-Star game. Didn't t- talk much about that. Jason Tatum currently fifth in forward voting, and um, Jalen Brown is tenth in guard voting. Make sure you guys go and vote those guys in. Get Especially those guys Jaylen. to the All-Star game. Jaylen get Jalen up there, man. Jalen's better than, than nine other guards in, in the East right now. Well, come South on. What are we doing? Do their part. Jalen needs these votes, you know. I have a hard time seeing him get in given our wins situation. You know, I know Derek Rose and Kyrie are ahead of him right now. That'll obviously change when the player votes and the coach votes come in. But still, Celtics fans, get on Twitter. Do your due diligence. Hashtag Jalen Brown. Hashtag NBA All-Star. Hashtag. Thank you. Yes, sir. And uh, make sure you guys go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at Ball and Opinions. You can also find Lucas at Luca underscore Gainer. And then you can also find the show at Ethos Celtics to get your latest yes. news. Make sure you guys go give us all a follow. Make sure you also head over to Spotify to give us a five-star um, rating. Also head over to Apple Podcasts for the five-star rating and review. We appreciate all the support that we get very much so. Yes, sir. Go make sure you run those Spotify ratings up. We only have one rating right now, so we need to get those up. But appreciate you if you could do that if you're listening you know, on Apple Podcasts, and if you have a Spotify, go over there, give us the five-star rating or whatever you see fit. Hopefully it's five stars. Patrick, that's it for me, man. Always a pleasure. Yes, sir, man. I will talk to you next time, and we are out. Peace.